this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Sorry about the delay there. We had some technical issues on this thing. But what else is new? It's 2023. What do you expect? Anything different from 2022? I hope so. I hope to improve and get better at what we're doing here. So, our first broadcast for 2023. I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday season. And we are going to be uh, talking about... No, I, I, I hope we're made it back to work, okay? Here in the United States, the uh, work week began today on Tuesday. Hopefully, we will be... Uh, uh, everybody made it through the day, not too hungover, didn't have any tragedies or anything else. Uh, what about that football game last night? We're going to start right off with that football game. And what does it mean for our organization? Organizations. And everything else. So, hold on here. Again, computer issues. Getting organized. Had a very busy day today. Writing that safety work. So, at about 9.30 last night, maybe 9.15, Facebook, my Facebook feed blows up. Right, uh, friend of a uh, friend of the family put up. Holy crap! What about that Buffalo game? Right, and then about nine thirty, my son runs in. He's not supposed to have a cell phone in his bedroom, but he had the cell phone in his bedroom listening to Monday um, Night Football. Said, and he came in to my wife all upset and everything else. What, what does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. He's getting text messages from all of his friends who are not supposed to have cell phones in their bedrooms. And I'm sure and everything else. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the defensive back, DeMar Hamlin. Now, football is not my game. Right. One of the first questions that uh, Jay Allen had asked me uh, when we first uh started doing the podcast and everything else. Are you, are you a sports guy? I mean, you got, you know, so no, I'm a track and field guy. I'm a baseball guy only because my son watches it and my family. I'm not really a football guy. I'm getting there uh, with that. But uh, this is basically it, right? Buffalo defensive back Damar Hamlin was in critical condition early Tuesday after the Bills say his heart stopped following a tackle during the Monday night football game. Which was indefinitely postponed. I'm sure. Now there was some. Uh, there was some stuff going on out there with. Uh, now I'm sure the NFL has its own protocols out there, as far as. Uh, now when people get severely hurt, you're supposed to delay the game five minutes, and then the others saying, "Well, five minutes will start." And the team said, "NFW, we're not doing that." Blah blah blah. And I, I want to give credit to the NFL or, or, and whoever the officials were out here for actually uh, 
going out there and realizing the right the psychological safety out here with the folks no pun intended here uh with being empathetic to the teams involved and everything else and uh there was really again one of the principles of hop i'm giving this presentation on uh thursday and friday to do different groups uh Right. One of the things with Hoff is how you react to bad, bad information and bad circumstances. Do you freak out? Do you yell? Do you scream? Do you do anything else? You like your reaction matters. And I think the NFL uh, hit a home run here on their action. Uh, so uh, basically. Now, it's been covered from time immemorial. I, you know, I, now we had a lot of speculation on a couple of the groups that I was in. Well, you know, was it a head injury, broken neck, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all of that thing may still be true. But I said, it's probably sudden cardiac arrest. He got hit in the chest from what it looked like. And it's just that, you know, from my own information and my own uh, knowledge, thank God not experience, with sudden cardiac arrest uh, after a blow to the chest this sort of thing could happen right and that's what they're saying now i don't know about any of the other injuries and no uh one thing that we could do is say a prayer for the family uh for the teams and everybody else involved here and also thank god they had people kept their wits about them and did the right thing by him and uh, apparently saved his life so there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to be praying for. Uh, but what does this really mean for us? As everyone knows, my uh, mother-in-law, and I mentioned this multiple times, I will until the day I die, uh, went into sudden cardiac arrest on our uh, porch of some sort and passed away uh, back in March of uh, 2021. And... Now, it's very, you know, traumatic. But what's what does this mean? Are you prepared in your workplace, in your organization, in your life, if something like this happens? Well, you can be, right? And uh, I'll, I'll give a shameless plug here. We do, for State CPR, an AED training here at uh, Safety Wars slash JCP Technical. So don't have to use us i prefer to use us but you know it's really important that you go out and get the training because now uh, i'll just read here from the chain of survival right this is from the uh, sudden cardiac arrest foundation there's a, a foundation for everything uh Sudden cardiac arrest is a sudden, I'm quoting from the website, an unexpected pulseless condition caused by a disturbance of the heart's electrical activity. The electrical disturbance may be due to a heart attack, a severe imbalance of electrolytes, inherited genetic mutation that predisposes the heart to electro, electric normalities, electric shock, or blunt force trauma to the chest, leading to commodio cortis. Now, uh, symptoms include an almost instantaneous loss of consciousness and collapse. The treatment uh, goal for SCA is to restore healthy heart rhythm and good neurological outcome. SCA strikes about 
approximately 326,200 people to almost 400,000 people, individuals outside hospitals each year in the U.S., including an estimated 6,328 people less than 18 years of age. On average, about one in 10 victims, uh, about one in 10 victims survives, though some high-performing communities have achieved survival rates of more than 60% for specific types of cardiac arrest. My understanding is that there's three types of cardiac arrests. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim one on TV or the uh, uh, thing. But the important thing is this, immediate treatment. Here we had a lot of capacity built into the system. You had EMTs on site. You had a medical staff from each team. You had an AED available. You had, <coughs> pardon me. You had a lot of different things that went right here. They got him immediate help. And what I liked was that both teams went out there and surrounded him in prayer chains and actually to block the view. Uh, now, this was important because I'm sure there were members of his family and other uh, sensitive individuals there that all that now didn't really need to see this thing happening, including children necessarily. And what the idea was, what the idea here is the chain of survival immediately. So there's five parts of it. So this is from the AHA, American Heart Association. That is one, immediate recognition of cardiac arrest and activation of the emergency response system. So let's say you're all alone. What do you dial? You dial that 911 or have someone dial that 911 immediately if you're with someone. Right. Number two, early CPR with an emphasis on chest compressions. Rapid defibrillation, meaning if you have an AED, automatic electronic defibrillator uh, device or, or electric defibrillator device, get it and apply it. And then number four is effective advanced life support. And number five, integrated post-cardiac arrest care. Right. So normally a bystander right, is going to be able to uh, do one, two, and three. That's right. Recognizes and activate an emergency response system. Right. Uh, get the automated elect external defibrillator. Automated external defibrillator. AED. Now, where are these lo usually located? If you're in a public location, it's usually located where the fire extinguisher, any pole alarms are, uh, eye washes, anything like that. But what's important is is to go in and find out where this is when you go in a building, right? So, for example, when I give training at the university, what do I do? Where I go through the whole facility and we look where the fire exits are, right? That's no part of the 10 hour course, fire exits. We identify emergency equipment, including AEDs, uh, how to dial the local emergency number. Uh, with that, if there's an on site number or if, uh, or anything else, you gotta know the location you're at, especially if you're on a cell phone. That's why I favor a hardwired phone at the facility if possible, uh, right? And basically, early CPR with an emphasis on chest compressions. 
So what are you looking at? If the bystander is not uh, right, decrease in time between cardiac arrest onset and the first chest compression is critical to survival. If the bystander is not tra- trained in CPR, he or she for- should provide hands-only, compression-only CPR by pushing hard and fast on the center of the chest at a rate of at least 100 compressions per minute. All right, so... Uh, for adult victims, and we're going to talk about this, the compression depth should be at least two inches. For young victims, one through eight, the compression depth should be about two inches or about one-third the diameter of the chest. So what the idea is, you apply the uh, uh, chest compressions. I'm going to tell you, being a trainer here, people don't want to do mouth-to-mouth anymore because of COVID, bottom line. So a lot of organizations, mine included, well, are okay with chest compressions. But basically what it is, is is 30 chest compressions, two breaths, 30 and two, 30 and two. The rescuer should continue CPR until an AED is ready for use or EMS providers take over care of the victim. In the event of the bystander is trained proficient in CPR, he or she should provide 30 compressions followed by two breaths. All right, we mentioned that. Emergency dispatchers, many EMS systems, will coach bystanders in their efforts to save lives. So as soon as an AED is available, often what happens, not all the time, but often uh, police show up to a scene before or a sheriff before uh, the ambulance or the paramedics. So normally they have an AED. That's pretty much what I've been told. And that's from my experience with this. Then you go and you they go and act, they activate the AED and you real simple. You turn it on and follow the instructions. And then obviously, you know, effective number four, if you're keeping track, effective advanced life support and integrated post-cardiac arrest care. So this is all really, really important here. But the idea is, is that you need to increase the capacity of your system, which makes it safer and be here with us now with the first ACVR AED, right? Whatever is appropriate now. Something also I would like to point out to everybody is this. What's OSHA say on this? OSHA does not require an AED yet. Hopefully that's going to change. Number one. Number two, the uh, OSHA requires, this is not by regulation, but it is by letter of interpretation that you get a a prompt medical response. That could be first aid CPR within three to four minutes. Now, a lot of states out there are not, do not uh, publish your basic life support stuff publicly. Meaning it's not online or if it is online, you really got to dig it, dig into it, dig into websites and everything else. New Jersey, fortunately, publishes this. And ba- and I'm not against the MTs or firefighters or anything like that. That's not what the, what this is about. Right, because some people say, well, you're against. Uh, no, we're not against anybody here. We're for people. We want to support. We want to lift up people in this community. What uh, New Jersey says is they cannot initiate. They track it by county, and I'm sure the counties track it by city or by locality. Right, is that they cannot supply, uh, on average, a uh, basic life support within nine minutes 
which means anywhere in the state, some of the parts of the state are a little bit, maybe a little bit less. I didn't look up the statistics today, but some of the areas of the state, the more rural areas, maybe up to 27 minutes. Something to note, which means unless there's accident, you work in a uh, facility with an EMT or a paramedic right there, you're not going to hit that three or four minute thing. So that is incumbent on your organization or you to find this out, to do this stuff. The other thing is this. OSHA uh, requires uh, first aid right, things, first aid kits to follow the ANSI standards. And I've, the number is not important, but the, the ANSI standards. Now, something I want to point out to you, ANSI standards Currently, as of Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023, I think I forgot to mention the date today. As of today, do not mention AEDs. I'm going to tell you, I think that might be changed with a highly public situation like this. They don't require AEDs. All right. OSHA does require AEDs. But the other thing is, is that the ANSI standard does not include a whole bunch of stuff that you might want to include in your first aid kit. Well, Jim, what kind of stuff are you talking about? Tourniquet, right? Doesn't have it in there. Eyewash. Well, guess what? OSHA requires an eyewash, right? Depending on what your situation is. An eye cup, just a cup, right? Rinsing out the eye. That's not included in there. Bloodborne pathogen kit. OSHA requires it, but that's not necessarily required in a first aid kit. Uh, blood sugar monitoring equipment, blood glucose monitoring equipment. That's all available over the counter right now. Guess what? Not required, but guess what? Should you have that? Yeah, for diabetics and learn how to use it. Have it available. Keep it updated. That might be an appropriate thing to have. Uh, Painkillers, antacids, anything like that, not required. Or if it is, in very limited amounts. So just because you went to your local department store and you went or your supermarket and got a first aid kit, that does not necessarily mean that you have everything that you need. Doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, look at us, we're prepared. So OSHA... For example, uh, for the outreach training, the direction that I got is that they eschew, meaning they don't like first aid, pardon me, first aid CPR or anything like that in their outreach training courses. But what, but I always talk a little bit about it, not as a full topic, but just to point out that this is an important thing and everybody in the workplace should have it as they're able. Now, you're going to say, well, I don't want that. Well, I hear every excuse in the world. I hear every excuse in the world. I am not going to get first aid CPR training because I must, I must respond to the uh, uh, emergency. No, that's not necessarily true. If you are paid to respond to an emergency, a whole bunch of stuff kicks in at that point. Right? Are you required? Well, guess what? You have a whole bunch of requirements. It's largely voluntary. You're not a professional medical person. So you are not required to respond. 
right? If they're making you respond, you probably, most states would probably require an EMT uh, certification or advanced life support or something like that. With that, uh, no, basic life support, uh, except there's like an advanced class for that. So uh, why, why is it required is that you have the right of refusal. So for example, uh, I was responding to an emergency one time and the person involved, uh, I, I won't mention the demographic or anything like that, uh, likely had a bloodborne pathogen based on a, his history that he openly shared with everybody. So when I came across him and he had a bloodborne and he was bleeding, right? I put on the gloves, he put on everything else, right? The suit, blah, blah, blah. Now you have a bloodborne pathogen. But he was conscious and he was well enough to administer first aid to himself. Oh, well, that's great. So I had him administer first aid to himself, taking myself out of the situation, except for cleaning up some blood afterwards and, uh, you know, handing him the stuff that he needed, right? Again, and calling 911, the whole, you know, whole night, everything else that goes along with it. So I have like the right of refusal here if I don't feel it's safe. What's another thing? Let's say that the area where this accident happened is not safe. You're in the middle of a riot. By the way, when I took my first aid CPR training with the community emergency response team, there were people there that were in the riots out in the Midwest. Wasn't safe, right? So they did not administer first aid CPR because it wasn't safe. What else might not be safe? If it's a traffic accident and you have traffic, you have a fire, you have any, anything like that, that's going to impact your safety. So just because you have first aid CPR training doesn't mean that you're absolutely obligated to provide it to anybody. The other thing is, is that the person may refuse help. Ooh. When does that happen? Well, it happens all the time. I've seen it already where, uh, hello, I'm uh, first aid CPR trained. Do you need help? Get the belief away from me. Okay. Thank you very much. Or it might be uh, people might refuse or you might refuse if you have certain religious beliefs. So, for example, uh, there are certain religions out there where uh, they're not uh, allowed to touch a person of the opposite sex. Not allowed. Forbidden. All right, so uh, that's how one of my uh, one of the surrounding communities is. So they have a ambulance service for males and an ambulance service for females for that. Uh, you know, that's what people's beliefs are. You got to respect them in this society. Many different things. So just having it doesn't mean you're obligated. Uh, I had a uh, person who was a vehement, vehemently against first aid CPR training. I mean, you're not going to believe, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I, I've spoken about him on this program before. He was the one who said, I don't give a bleep. Uh, if they take nosedives off the building, I don't care if they were fall protection or not, Jimmy. Oh, okay. And by the way, his employer knew that. He was the same person as I ain't ever freaking learning first aid CPR. Well, guess what? He had a family tragedy. 
horrific situation. He was able to administer first aid and CPR and everything uh, was not successful. Right. Guess what? When this, after this happened, guess what? The first thing he did, I got a phone call about two weeks later after he got done with the uh, funeral and everything else is uh, Jimmy first aid CPR training for my whole crew. Okay. No problem. All that's in there. Well, what is different between a safety words, first aid CPR for the workplace uh, training, AED, and anywhere else? Community CPR, different approaches. We go into how to manage accidents a little bit. We go into bloodborne pathogens, right? Full-blown training and everything else. Yeah, it's a full day's training, maybe more depending on the uh, crew that you have. Could be two days, three days. It's already taken, right? Uh, with that. So that's what I got for that. And we're going to take a break here. I hope this was some useful information. And again, give us a call, 845 269 5772, or email us at jim at, that's J I M, at safetywars.com. And we can come and do your first aid CPR training. Uh, I'll post uh, more information on our social media. That's Jim. Pozel, P is in Peter, O E S is in Sam, L is in Larry, or L in L, because I love you. Uh, no, that's at all of the uh, things, at all of the uh, social media groups. Uh, where can we come back at you in a moment? You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a a powerful force of knowledge and support. Okay. Here we go. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Okay, we are back here. Why am I not here? Okay, there we go. Like, why am I not hearing this in the earphones? So we're going to, this is our prediction show. I want to start a tradition here, annual tradition of, uh, our annual tradition of predictions. Every radio show that I'm a fan of has an annual prediction show. So I wanted to try this out. I put it on LinkedIn last week. I shared it with my friends, uh, some of my Facebook uh, groups, things of that nature on what the, uh, no, what 
their predictions for 2023 are. And uh, so this uh, now on Friday night, I put it out to a lot of my group group, right? The, my friends and everything else. And one of the thing predictions, and I said, look, if it's appropriate, I'll put it on the air. But this is what happened. God's honest truth. Guy says, uh, oh, we're, we're Pope Benedict is going to pass away and possibly Pope uh, Francis in 2023. Uh, this was a person with some inside info on here uh, uh, no, with the Vatican. And uh, sure enough, uh, within six hours, Pope Benedict was dead. Pope Emeritus, Pope Benedict. I believe that's the correct title. Uh, well, rest in peace. And I said, holy crap. So how about we do not, I'll, I'll put on the thing and do not predict any deaths, right? Uh, I don't need the FBI or Secret Service sending, uh, coming to my uh, thing. Uh, but no, uh, I put up, uh, no. So that was one prediction, not a good one. All right. Here are some other predictions out there. We have a prediction from a very insightful person. Very insightful, very no nonsense. A man, a person who was known to call tell off, who was known to tell off the president of the United States right to his face. My wife. All right. Uh, my prediction is that New York will get less than twenty inches of snow this winter. Honey, I hope you're right. <laughs> All right. The price of fuel and everything else. Aye aye aye. All right. Here are some other ones, right? People becoming more aware of BS in the media and how it is manipulating them to do certain things. I think that is probably a pretty accurate one. That's an obvious one. There's going to be more pushback against the man or against whoever is in charge. and But the pushback is becoming more nuanced. Sort of like uh, if you're a fan of the Andor series, uh, Luthen, where everything's done in the background, right? Sort of thing. Pushback in the background. Uh, now, planning in the background. More green initiatives, especially when we have... Uh, Oil prices up, coming up, and right? That's what we're looking at. This was another prediction. More green initiatives. Here's some of my stuff. We have uh, a lot of elections this year. In New Jersey, uh, Kentucky, and West, I'm sorry, not West Virginia, Virginia. Uh, so uh, they either have, uh, like in New Jersey, the entire lower house of the state assembly is up for grabs. Uh, Virginia, uh, both houses, I believe, are up for grabs. In Kentucky, they have statewide elections for governor, attorney general, among other things. There's a governor's race in Louisiana, and a governor's race in Mississippi. Uh, my prediction is, is that we're going to become more and more polarized here. What it comes down to, I, uh, I'll go into a little bit of the swamp here. Hold on. I need the swamp music. Okay, I'm going to have this more organized in 2023. All right, so our swamp. All right, I th I see what's... Uh, after what happened today with uh, Representative McCarthy in the uh, lower half in our uh, uh, Congress not being elected after three votes uh, as Speaker of the House, I see things becoming more and more polarized. 
here as, uh, no, with that. Now, economic prediction. We're going to go into financial stuff in a minute here with some uh, information here, with some predictions. And I've been listening to a lot of economists here uh, with, uh, with this and what their predictions are. So here we have one. I'm not going to mention. Uh, hold on. Her name is uh, Gina. I'm not going to mention last names. She's an EHS professional. Uh, managing psychosocial risk in the workplace and other key dimensions of wellness. So as we know, there has been a huge move in, uh, ever since the pandemic. But it happened before the pandemic a little bit also. We're starting to get into it. Right. What are psychosocial risk factors? Physical risk factors as far as hospital repetition are obvious, right? However, research has shown psycho- psychosocial risk factors also need to be taken into account. What are those? High workloads, tight deadlines, a lack of control of the work or, and working methods all lead to stress. Right. What also and uh, what also are psychos, uh, uh, I almost said sexual, psychosocial risks. Many jobs are not are not well designed and include some or all of the following undesirable features, which may lead to risks. One, workers have little control over their work and work methods. Workers are unable to make full use of their skills. Workers, as a rule, are not involved in making decisions that affect them. Workers are expected to only carry out repetitive, monotonous tasks. Work is a machine or system paced. Work demands are perceived as excessive. Payment systems encourage workers to quickly to work working too quickly or without breaks. So that's like a quota system. Work systems limit opportunities for social interaction and high levels of effort are not balanced by sufficient rewards. Right? Meaning anything from money to an attaboy. So what do you do? Right. Reduce the monotony of tasks or appropriate and short tasks. Are re- the workload is reasonable, ensuring good communication, reporting of problems, encouraging teamwork, monitoring and control shift work or overtime working. Reduce or monitor payment systems, which work on peace rate and providing appropriate training. So those are the bottom line. So Gina says that we're going to recognize this stuff a little bit more. And I'm sure that can happen. That will happen here with uh as we move along and there's a huge move to recognize that uh there is the opposite uh thing also right so like with the enzyme abuse and you can only push safety so far and you can only push danger and unsafe workplaces so far until you get pushback right well and you try to and we're playing in the middle so i'm going to extend yeah Injuries and danger and risk. And the other end, you have safe. However, we're going to identify that. Well, guess what? You're not going to have either one. You're going to be somewhere in the middle, right? You try to have a safer workplace, but because of everything else and human, you can know human organizational performance or we're presenting on on Thursday and Friday uh, is no, uh, no. And it's all over Safety FM, right? Subscribe to Safety FM Plus. It's worth every penny of it. All right. And no, uh, but bottom line is all of this stuff out there is starting to get recognized because there's pushback. Uh, Now, the thing is that you can have two things. You can have grit, all right, G-R-I-T, meaning how to get through a tough situation in the short term, have grit. You mean 
you know, you have resilience, you're able to go through it. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, that's putting out fires all the time. Then you have the other way where everything is lackadaisical. You need somewhere in the middle, right? So you got to be productive. You need a certain amount of stress in a system to get to be productive, obviously. And maybe a little bit more balance will be in there. I know uh, I'm going to speak through personal experience with my stress levels. Uh, and I've been told that they're, no, at least in advertisements on Facebook, that that's a trauma response when I suffer, right? Where I overcommit and work myself right into a frenzy. All of that stuff is detrimental and has been detrimental to me until I realized that one day and I stopped doing it. It's okay to say no, right? Here is another one, and it's from a uh, president and CEO of a think tank. His name is William, right? And here we have, uh, this is a lengthy, and he actually gives an explanation that's pretty good. Becoming self-aware. Maybe humans can become self-aware before computers. When we will understand how much we really know, we listen to ourselves more, and then understand our power to be safe is in our connections to others. Once we learn to listen to ourselves, we might actually begin to listen to others. We all see risk differently. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Someone sees something we don't and we are self-aware, we should be curious and interested instead of defensive and dismissive. Becoming aware of our subconscious and the patterns we train it to do will be the future. Carl Jung said, quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate, unquote. Well, this is a very insightful one, uh, William. Uh, the... You know, you could find out who these people are by going to my LinkedIn and you know, connecting with me and everything else. Uh, really uh, insightful here. So often, right, one of the things with talk therapy or if you ever have gone to counseling is that they get you to talk and see patterns in your behavior and your thinking that are often self-destructive. That's not the only reason why you go to counseling or anything like that is that right? They, you're able to recognize what's self-destructive and not. So you keep on. So, for example, uh, no, I get this comment, Jim. I used to be really good. Everything used to be going good, but everything I touch seems to go to groove now lately. Well, sometimes there's something you're doing in the background and you're unconscious in your background that's sabotaging you. And maybe if you can become more self-aware of that, become more introspective, ask for help, right? And all this other stuff, you're uh, going to be able to do whatever you need to do, right? Make yourself a little bit more successful. I've had to do a lot of soul searching over the years. I'm no different than anybody else, right? Uh, as I said to my friend Elaine in church one day, when the minister says, church is not for perfect people. I said to Elaine, she's sitting in front of me. I said, thank God it ain't for perfect people because I'd be in here all alone. She did not like that. And she got up and slapped me. And everybody else, when I said that, what do you think their response was? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't quit your daytime job. So anyway, 
that, those are the two predictions. Well, let's go into some of the financial uh, predictions right now. So first we're going to do is we're going to review uh, what some of the indexes were today. Dow Jones Industrial came down to 33,136. S&P 500 down 3824. NASDAQ down uh, 1038. 10,386. Russell 2000 sank to uh, 1750. Russell 2000. U.S. Treasury note 10 year uh, sank to 3.756%. Bitcoin dropped a little bit, 16,646. Crude oil came up a little bit, 7,705. All right, and let's go on over to the precious metals. Gold. Right up to uh, no sank slightly, eighteen forty eight. Silver sank twenty four twenty five. Platinum uh, rose a little bit to ten ninety five, and palladium is up to seventeen sixty four. Okay, and you know these things now they're very volatile, right? The uh, precious metals, but the overall trend, right, has been pretty much uh, coming up. Uh, by 1% for gold and uh, when compared to everything else. But anyway, anyway, I spent the weekend, right? I try to stay off the computer because we're here all the time during the week, right? So we try to stay off the computer on the weekend. But from uh, what I've heard, uh, various commentators, uh, what I've, uh, both sides, right? Liberal, conservative, Supply side, demand side, the whole thing. Metals dealers, non-metals dealers, Bitcoin people, non-Bitcoin. So I try to get everywhere in between here. The trend, now, my, it came back to me, right? My, I'll give my brother Wally a shout out here. He won an award in the 1990s. For uh, one of the organizations he was in, because he was told called the Hat and T-shirt Kid, right? He got an award for it, right? A gag award, but no, it hung on his uh, in his bedroom for many years. And he used to go out and get the most outrageous T-shirts, the most outrageous hats. He used to get them from a uh, the boardwalk in Virginia Beach. I don't know the name of the place, but he used to go there. Maybe it's still there. Uh, maybe it's not. Now, I think the internet has taken over a lot of this stuff. And, I mean, outrageous. All right. So, one of the things was, uh, if you, right, the t-shirt he had, if you think you know what's going on, you're probably full of Gwuvno, except it didn't say Gwuvno. And nothing could be more closer to the truth with the financial situation here. We do know that quantitative easing, easing, especially with one the with the way the politics is oriented in the country now, is not supported by either political party. In large part, we know that uh, we just uh, had a continuing resolution for one point eight trillion dollars that is going to last until September thirtieth of twenty twenty three, until the beginning of the new fiscal year. So that means no budget. Interest rates are coming up. All of this stuff. The demographics. Uh, 
so are not there. So for example, uh, if you're a Gen Xer like me, uh, it's either you just passed your peak spending year or you're going to pass your peak spending year, which is 47 uh, right now, going into Gen Y or whatever we're calling it after that. I forget. We have some financial woes that may be ahead. Troubled waters. This, I know. There's not a darn thing that you're going to be able to do with what the government does to our monetary policy outside of an election. Right now, people do not understand macroeconomics or economics. Talk to people from either side. Biggest complaint that I hear. You cannot impact what these people are going to do. But what can you do? You can be vigilant. Right? Watch what's going on. And everything else out there. And impact your own life. Jay Allen mentions Dave Ramsey, uh, who's uh, on many different radio stations syndicated. Look him up. Has a lot of good things to say. Adding capacity to your system, to your financial system. Reducing debt, reducing spending, the waste money, that sort of thing. Maybe you don't need that that uh, vacation. Maybe you don't need that item off of that place named after a river. Uh, anything like that. So that's all going to be in there. So those are my predictions for 2023. Uh, if you have any others, now I'm willing to update and add them. And... Maybe next year we'll start a little bit earlier and we'll be able to uh, have some more predictions. We'll have a full-blown hour of predictions on. That's what my goal is eventually for this. And uh, let's go to some of the other news stories today. Yes, this is all planned, right? So often what I do is I do the main event first because... Let's uh, face it. Back east, it's 8 o'clock at night. This starts. We are in afternoon drive time on the West Coast. So, other news. Actor Jeremy Renner suffered chest trauma, right? Or an orthopedic injuries in a snowplow accident. Man, Jeremy Renner, who played Hawkeye in the Marvel Adventures movies, was in intensive care unit of a Nevada hospital following surgery Monday after suffering a traumatic injury while plowing snow. Right. So I'm trying to figure out what happened here. I haven't heard a lot of stuff uh, here. Uh, everyone wishes well uh, to him. Uh, they say uh, that uh, it's just a traumatic injury in an accident uh, in the Lake Tahoe area. Okay. I don't know. They're doing an investigation. Uh, Italian Pentatone goes global, right? So, in case you're wondering what that is, an Italian Pentatone is a uh, Christmas bread uh, from Italy. It also was the favorite snack of my brother's dog, Spike. Many, right? My brother John had a dog, Spike. You had to hide that spread. It was that good. He'd steal it off the off the uh, table and eat the whole thing whole. Uh, so it's gone. Uh, now everybody's doing it now, right? 
Oh, there's all over the place. So, uh, Panto was doing the sweet, domed a sweet bread with a tender bright golden crumb, scented instead of with sugar fruit. It uh, belongs to the same luxurious holiday tradition as German stolen Polish chaka and British fruitcake. I've been a long time since I had chaka, right? Treats made once a year from expensive stores of butter and eggs, refined flour and sugar, spices from Asia, and preserved fruit from the Mediterranean. Bits of chocolate were added later, and some lemon also. So, delicious. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of controversy there, and it's very expensive, depending on what you're uh, getting. So, something to remember for next year. Probably a little bit late on that. More importantly here, right, we reported a couple of weeks ago on a shortage of uh, drugs, cold flu and drugs, whether they're over the counter or in uh, now prescription. We have something like over 100 and the number that they gave is 189 on their website. But some of those shortages have been resolved. So it's like over 150 shortages in the United States of medicine of all different types. Uh, big thing is is the semi-glutinide, glutide, uh, ozempic, and uh, the uh, non-diabetic version of that. Right, there's still a shortage for that. A lot of diabetics, I'm going to tell you, they get a lot better luck out of that than insulin uh, for the type 2 diabetics uh, on that. Uh, with that, my understanding is that it, uh, not only in controlling the, your appetite, right? Insulin is like the cattle has always been the Cadillac since the 1920s. I think the uh, inventor was uh, betting, right? Uh, with that, but that only controls one hormone where Ozempic is able to control more than one hormone and which leads to a little bit of a better uh, outcome for type two diabetics and also uh, for uh, controlling appetite, things of that nature. But they're all in short supply, all this stuff in short supply. Uh, I have a family member that just called me today. Oh, I have uh, COVID uh, and uh, they're very concerned with her. Now, I'm going to give China a little of a break here, right? So they had all these lockdowns and everything else. I think that they realized they didn't have the capacity to respond to COVID because right now the reports coming out of China is that people, uh, I mean, they're stacking bodies here all over the place with COVID. Maybe those lockdowns are there because they knew that they could not, you know, uh, control this at all without this. Right. Uh, I'm hearing things like overwhelming and everything else. The uh, system is paralyzed. Uh, I've spoken to many uh, families who, uh, so for example, they brought their children to China and had a medical emergency and it wasn't pretty, man. Uh, I know uh, families who have identified China, who have adopted Chinese uh children they go to pick them up in like uh, the hospitals and the orphanages very unsanitary over there that was what i've always heard uh, on that i've never been there so uh maybe they did not have the capacity right to respond to the covid emergency on there that's why they had the lockdowns here's another uh leftover story from over in uh from last year is 
autonomous drones, right? So they're thinking like, uh, if you ever saw the movie Terminator 3 Judgment Day, right? Uh, I've spoken to people who uh, I wouldn't know what they did for a living. And the dude says to me, have you ever seen Terminator 3 Judgment Day? I said, yeah. Says something like, that's what I do. Something like that. Not exactly. So those things were the drones and automated things and everything. That's all real. I heard about this 10 years ago. But uh, again, are we on the dawn of a conscious AI? Are we already there? Because what's happening is, uh, now they're, they're, uh, my understanding is, is that these drones have GPSs and uh, they're able to locate where they are, right? And they're able to go and say, well, do X, Y, and Z to this locale and you program it and it's flying by, right? It flies out by and it does its mission. There's no human being there. Maybe something, some type of, uh, some type of uh, thing like a uh, Geneva Convention has come about because of this. So all this talk makes me uh, think about uh, the runaround, right? Uh, which is an Isaac Asimov uh, book. And from, pardon me, 1942, where they have the Isaac Asimov's laws, three rules of uh, robotics, right? A robot uh, may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given it by human beings except where such orders are conflict with the first law and a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law it's like these three laws of uh, robotics aren't even a factor here is that a good thing or not right uh, what he ended up was uh, this was meant to be a fundamental framework of Robots. If you've seen the word, the movie or read the book I Robot, uh, I studied it in college. Don't remember much about it. This was one of the big things is, and it was for philosophers back in the nineties when I was reading this. Still is to now. It's even more important. What about all the other stuff going on here, right? Uh, with this, is it ethical to have drones go and uh, attack? Right, to this degree, without a human being in the pipeline. Something you need to worry about. Something you need to think about. Uh, and also, what does this mean for law enforcement? Mm. Bank robberies fall to zero for the first time in a cashless uh, Denmark. So uh, bank robbery, robberies... Uh, were zero in 2022 in Denmark. Why? Cashless society. Well, what about all the other financial crimes out there? Thousands of records shattered in a historic winter worm spell in Europe. This is a blessing in disguise because they have fuel shortages over there due to the war in Ukraine. This might actually be a good thing that maybe a little bit things working out. 
So that's what I have for our first program of 2023. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, I don't know. Should I have Christmas music? I mean, we have like another day of Christmas here. Hmm, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, we'll go out with Christmas music. I want to thank everybody for a successful 2023. We're looking forward to a even more successful, uh, I'm sorry, successful 2022. I hope we're going to uh, have a more successful 2023. Uh, We are going to expand what we're doing here and have some online uh, events. Uh, More of that to come up in the near future. Uh, With that, as we're able to release information and uh, want to thank everybody for the support. See you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.